talk about today, that God has a good plan for your life, but you need to do something for that plan to come to pass. I'll show you a couple books. This is a book that's helped me for years and years and years and years called Following God's Plan for Your Life. Following God's Plan for Your Life. God has a good plan. You've got to follow it. You know, I think about the Apostle Paul. He made a statement several times in the New Testament in different letters. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Well, you know, if you're going to follow somebody, that means you've got to do something besides sit around and pray. Oh, Lord, I wish I, wish I had what they had. I wish they could, I could do what they do. Well, the big word there is the do. <laughs> if you wish you had what somebody had could do what they do, you've got to do. You've got to do something. So we're going to look at some things in the Word of God today. But if you just sit here and say, Amen, Pastor, that's a good sermon. Oh, I love, boy, that just made me feel so good. Well, when you get out of here and go back to the real world and the feel good wears off, then what are you going to do? You better do what you heard. And then also you saw in the announcements, and uh, I saw a note on the men's restroom mirror there advertising Dr. Barclay books, 20% off this month. Well, this month's about over with. This is the last Sunday this month. He will be here Friday night, and I just say, everybody come Friday night. Bring everybody else you can Friday night and get blessed. Dr. Barclay is a bona fide, walking in it, real prophet of God. Dr. Barclay walks in real stuff. He's not flaky. He's not spooky. And he's not scary. Unless you're doing wrong, then you might get scared and want to do right because God's going to talk to you. Things are going to change. But this is called The Day Ahead. And this book talks about the end times, and the times we live in are like no times this world has ever seen. We're right at the point in time where things are getting ready to shift to the spiritual arena in God's time zone, if he has a time zone. We're getting ready to go into the millennial reign of Christ pretty soon. The rapture of the church is going to come. Great tribulation is going to come. going to be things happen. The Bible tells us a lot of things happen before that time. All you have to do today is go turn on the news, and you'll see Bible prophecy coming to pass. Every day, every day, every day. All you have to do is read a newspaper. It'll tell you something going on that you think, man, how could it get any worse? How could, it, how could this happen? Well, then you'll read the works of Jesus. And in Jesus told us in Matthew and in Luke particularly, says these signs will happen in the end times. He tells you about things. Isaiah tells you about things. Jeremiah tells you about things. The prophets tell us about things that are happening. And so the th whole thing is, for us as believers, we have to know this. Just because things are happening, they don't have to happen to us. The Bible tells us what we can do to be a light in a dark world. And the darker the world gets, the brighter our light is if we're following the plan of God for our life. If we're following the plan of God for our life, our light's going to be brighter. But if we just think we're going to mix in with the darkness because it's too hard to walk right, then all you're going to be is part of the problem. Anyway, those books are awesome. All of Dr. Barclay's books, 20% off. He'll be here. When's he going to be here? What, what, which Friday? What church is he coming to? What time is he going to be here? Not 7.30. Going to get here. He's going to be here at 7. So if you get here at 7.30, you'll miss a good part of it. Amen? I'll tell you what, you never, if you've never experienced Dr. Barclay, then you're in for a real, real, real pleasure. You never know what he's going to do till he gets here because the Holy Ghost 
Well, this is like me pastoring right now, things I'm talking about. God knows all the individuals sitting out here. And the Lord moves on a lot of people to come to church a lot of times. And so a lot of times when the pastor's preparing a message, that's because God's preparing people's hearts to come. And if they get sidetracked and decide not to come, sometimes the message alters when people get there. Because the ones they really want to talk to didn't show up for it. But he was dealing with them to come. And so then sometimes the pastor then has to change the way he's going because God changes. What's going to go on with the people? So anyway, Dr. Barclay is always ready to go up the Holy Ghost and is going to be good. Somebody shout amen. amen. All right. So God has a good plan for your life. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I'm going to read this out of the NIV. Amen. I'm going to read this out of the NIV because it says it in, the, in a better way that I like to, I like to be able to explain it. But Jeremiah 29, 11, God said, for I know, well, I'm glad God knows something, but I want to know it too. Amen. I know the plans I have for you. And so God tells you right there, he has plans for you. He has plans for me, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Jesus told us in John 10.10, write this verse down, John 10.10. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I've come for you to have life and that more abundantly. If there's bad things happening in your life, it's not God trying to hurt you. It's the devil trying to hurt you. God says, I've got plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The Lord had me minister to Sonia a minute ago, but this is for everybody. God said, I've got plans to give you hope and a future. Hope and a future. God wants you to have hope about your future. And so no matter who you are or what your status of life is right now, God wants you to know that God has a good plan for your life. God has a good plan for your life. Somebody said, well, I just wish I could believe that. Well, stick around this morning and you will believe it. Amen. Somebody said, well, I, I, I just hope. Well, good. You're on the right road there because it has to start with hope. God said he wants to give you hope at a future. And so God wants you to have hope about your future. I want to say that again. God wants you to have hope about your future. Somebody said, well, I'm in a hopeless situation. Well, that's why you're here today, so your hopeless won't be hopeless anymore. We'll turn your hope less into hope more. Amen. You ever think about that word, hopeless? You need to hope more. And God wants to turn your hopeless into hoping more. And so anyway, let this sink into your heart. This is God speaking to you and God speaking to me. I'm going to give you another verse to write down. I'm a Bible teacher. I preach, but I'm a teacher. And the difference between a preacher and this is, is this. Preaching gives you hope. But teaching shows you how to turn the hope into reality. And so that's why I talk a lot of Bible verses. And so, for time's sake, we don't turn to a lot of them all the time, but we give you a lot of them. So you need to write them down so you can look them up later. But Romans 10.17, Romans 10.17 is a very, very, very major, serious, real, must-have verse in your Bible vocabulary. Romans 10.17 says, So then faith 
cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so for what he just said, because God said, I want to give you hope for your future, that tells me right there I can have faith for my future. Because faith cometh by hearing. Well, you just heard what God said. God said, I want to give you hope. And so if God said, I want to give you hope, but I've got to give future plan for you, right there, there's enough faith in those words, right there, to light that fire in your belly. What do you mean, light that fire in your belly? Well, when I was looking over my sermon this morning, the Lord told me it's like this for some of the people in this church service this morning. Has anybody here ever had a fireplace? Has seen a fire in a fireplace? Or a campfire? Or a fire pit? Well, a lot of times, if you don't tend to the fire for a while, you throw no fresh wood on it, something to burn, it gets down to where it looks like there's nothing in there. But if you start stirring it, you'll find a little ember in there somewhere. Something's a little bit of orange down there somewhere. You find that little ember right there. Well, that's what God's looking for in your heart today, is that little bit of thing that's still alive. you got a little ember in there right now. If you're in a place right now in life, and I have to say, there must be people here that are that place who would have told me to preach this. If you're in that place in life where you feel like, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't see what else I can do. I, what's the use? What's the use? I don't know. What's the use? I just hear somebody say to this side, what's the use to go on? What's the use? What's the use? Well, on the inside of you right now, that little ember, if you, because you're here today, as an act of your will, well, right now, just on the inside of you, reach up to God and say, God, please blow your breath on that little ember to cause it to stir. Cause that to come alive on the inside of me. Then you're going to be like that campfire or like that little coal in the fireplace. All of a sudden, right now, as I speak, this is happening. I know it by the Spirit. On the inside of you right now, the Spirit of God has caused that little bit of spark of hope on the inside of you. Something's happening right now. Something on the inside of you right now. It's almost, it's, I, I, just, I just see this in the spirit. It's almost like little butterflies in your stomach type feeling right now. Something right now is going like that. You just feel something like that thinking, oh, that feels good. That's not a natural feeling. That's a spiritual move of God in your spirit stirring up that last little bit of ember you had in you to cause fire to come alive. And before today is over, I believe you're going to see that fire. You're going to see some flames up on the inside of you. You're going to leave here. You're going to have your head held up high. You're not going to be looking down at the ground. You're going to be looking up. And people ask you how you're doing. Instead of giving them a bad report, you're going to say, glory to God. Hallelujah. God talked to me today. I'll tell you how I'm doing. I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. My God is for me because he's for me. It makes no difference who's against me because God's for me. Me and Jesus are majority in life. Me and Jesus can do anything. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. That's what he's saying to you today. And so God wants you, God wants you from your innermost being to let him do something inside of you today. And so you have a part to play. In fulfilling God's plan and purpose for your life. You have a part to play. God already told you his part. Said I want to do it. How many know that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world? Well, how many think it's very obvious the whole world doesn't believe that? 
But he did it. Jesus died on the cross. But then he told us in a lot of places, like Romans 10, 13, one place he said this, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That doesn't mean it's not the will of God for the whole world to know Jesus Christ. Preaching, missionaries, especially the Internet today, for all the gospel things on the Internet going around the world today, all around the world people are getting the knowledge of who Jesus is. But you know what? The only ones that get that part of the plan of God in their life is whosoever shall call. They've got to open their mouths and say something. So today, today, God is giving you hope. Now I'm going to teach you from the Word of God how to turn the hope into reality. But I can't come to your house and watch what you do to see if you're going to do what God wants you to do or not. But when you leave here, Jesus leaves with you. When you leave here and go home, Jesus goes with you. When you go to work tomorrow, Jesus goes with you. And so if you will do the things that Jesus, through the Word of God, through me, tells you about today, then you'll see your life changed. Because God said, I want you to have a good hope in the future. Amen. Say so he's got good plans. And so let's look at this then. That your part, you have to play in fulfilling God's plan and purpose for your life. And you know... How many have ever heard somebody say, oh, I know God's got a purpose for my life. Oh, I know God's got a purpose for my life. Well, that's good that you know that he's got a purpose for your life, but you need to know what the purpose is. And we're going to show you how to find that purpose out. So verse 12 then says, here's your part. Then you will call on me and come and pray. You call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. I will listen to you. I like that. God said, I've got a good plan. You call on me, and you pray, and I'll listen. And so I'll say this. In you finding out God's plan and fulfilling his plan for your life, step number one, you must develop your own personal prayer life. You've got to develop your own personal prayer life. Some of you are like the old saying, you're beginning to see light at the end of the tunnel as I speak. You can begin to see light at the end of the tunnel. It's like driving through a tunnel. We just came back from Las Vegas again to the airport up there. How many know that one big long tunnel you got before you go to the runways and everything? Or if you've been to Southern California in a train, or you've seen every bit of a train go through a tunnel, all of a sudden, man, great big trains come to a little bitty tunnel and think, man, this is kind of spooky. I don't want that mountain to fall. You know, it's not going to fall, but I don't know what that mountain to fall on me. And then, you know, you, you really start getting kind of weird for a while that all of a sudden you start to see light up there. And that light is like your hope. You're starting to see something. All of a sudden you're starting to see something. And so what God is saying to you is this. You get faith. Hear the Word of God taught like this, that God wants you to know He's got a good plan for your life. But then this hope, this light that the tell begins to come in. When you go into your prayer closet, you begin to pray. When you leave a service like this, and you decide, well, today, instead of whatever the natural thing where you're going to do, it may have been an okay thing, but you say, you know what? God really touched my heart today. And I know that I was going to do such and such this afternoon, 
But I think instead of doing that, I'm going to go home, and I'm just going to go to my bedroom. I'm going to go to my quiet place. I'm going to get out my Bible. I'm going to get out my notes, and I'm going to pray. As you do that, that light is going to get brighter and brighter. You're going to see more and more what God wants you to see. Well, Pastor, how can you say that? I didn't say that. God did. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. God said, you pray. I listen. Amen. And so anyway, I advise you to take some good notes today and then go home and pray and then study these verses. And the light on the inside of you is going to get brighter and brighter because God wants you to know. God does not want you to have to fight off suicide. If that's hitting you, definitely fight it off and say, no, in the name of Jesus, devil, get off my life. My life's worth living. I'm not going to take my life. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything to hurt myself. I'm going to stay living. God's got a plan for my life, and I'm going to go on and on and on and on. But God doesn't want you to have to even fight that thing. He wants you to be able to stay walking with so much peace and so much joy and so much knowing that God loves you and He's got a plan for your life that you don't have to deal with that. Amen? Amen. And so then uh, the second thing to do for your part in following God's plan for your life, He says, verse 13, You will seek me and find me. When you play on Facebook all day long, you'll find me if you can get 2,000 likes. You'll find me if you share this. No. He says you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. God said this. You'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. This means that God will speak to your heart very clearly what His will, what His plan of purpose is for your life. Because God said it. He said, i got a good plan. He said, go pray, and then begin to seek me with all your heart. That means, that means turn your life over to Jesus all the way. And, you know, it's just like the old saying I've heard people say before, don't just get fire insurance. What's fire insurance? Well, I don't want to be like some of those fanatics go to those churches like the High Desert Word Center, man. They have three or four services a week. They have men's meetings. They have women's meetings. They have small groups. They have a Bible school. Oh, I don't want that much, man. I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to go to church on Sunday morning, but not every Sunday morning. I want God, but I don't want God to have me. All I want is fire insurance. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to church much. Well, guess what? Honey, (laughs) you will probably never really know what God's plan for your life is. You'll probably never really know what God's purpose is for your life if all you want is fire insurance. He said, when you seek me with all your heart, that means when you're in a church service like this, and forget who the deliverer is. I've delivered the message, but forget me. Look past me. And just think about the Bible you're hearing from the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. I cannot get into your heart. I can't even get in your head. I don't want to. But the Holy Spirit can speak to your heart and change your head. But just because He speaks to your heart and changes your head doesn't mean your life changes unless you do what He tells you to do. God said, when you seek me, didn't say, 
seek the preacher. He didn't say get all excited about all your Google goggle friends and all that stuff. He said, seek me if you want to know the plan. And you know, in my life, what I decided a long time ago, there was no preacher or no sports figure or anybody else died for my sins. Only Jesus did. When I die and take my last breath and I get judged, I'm not going to get judged by Yahoo. I'm not going to get judged by some great basketball player. I'm not going to get judged by some politician. I'm going to get judged by Jesus. And so, therefore, I determined a long time ago, he's the one I'm going to look to and I'm going to talk to. I'm going to say, Jesus, what am I supposed to be doing? Jesus, where am I supposed to work at? Jesus, what do you want me to do with my money? Jesus, how am I supposed to treat my wife? How am I supposed to treat my kids? Jesus, what am I supposed to be doing? Because he's the one I'm going to answer to. And you know what? You can't tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. I can't tell you. Only God can. And so when you're in an atmosphere like this this morning, and you're hearing the word of God, it all comes down to this. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to every heart what he wants to say to them. And you know, the more you know God, and you really begin to realize how awesome he is, I know the last last few weeks when I've been praying, I've been thinking about all the different people around the world. You know, the world right now is so much in the news. And we was just up at Fort Wainwright for three weeks. And up at Fort Wainwright, I was telling, telling one of the soldiers this morning that everywhere I went in that town, there was military people. I got tired of showing my ID. But, but everywhere, soldiers, 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 soldiers. And being trained to go around the world for all the stuff going on right here in Barstow, our soldiers, Marines, and all the different people trained to go around the world. Because the world right now has crisis. But I realized that that Muslim person over in the middle of Iraq, Afghanistan, or uh, Iran, wherever they are, if they call upon the name of the Lord, the same Lord that we're talking about today is the same Lord that knows the number of every hair on that Muslim's head. It's the same, it's the same Lord that knows the number of every hair on the head of that person that lives in Providence, Rhode Island. You know, I think about how awesome he is. We're sitting right here today in this church. And as I share the gospel, Marcia's going to hear something different in her heart about God's plan than what right next to her Katie Brady's hearing. Because they're two different people. Then you got Austin sitting right there, and he's going to hear something different. It's going to be because God has a plan tailor-made. God has a customized plan for every person. Because God has a purpose for every person. Look at your neighbor and say, you're very important to the plan of God to get the gospel out to this needy world. And now, let that person look at you and say, hey, I'm important too. Hey, man, I'm serious. You've got to know this. This has got to be real to you. You know, I had so many things I wanted to preach today, and I really sought God about what he wanted me to preach today. This is what he wants me to preach, but I thought about a church. And reason being, I went to three different churches in Alaska the last three Sundays. I was wanting to get my daughter and her family hooked up the church God had for them. I saw some different flavors of pastors, congregations, and different things. And then I got back here thinking about our church. And in our church, 
you know, I might look pretty important up here at our church, but let me tell you something. If you had your little baby sitting there pooping on your laps right now, I wouldn't seem very important. You're glad your little baby's up in the nursery and somebody up in the nurseries take care of those babies to love them and change them and take care of them so that you can sit here in this service and be a part of this. And also, with this desert heat, it's really nice to come into a building that has air conditioners and stuff, working on it like that. I'm glad I didn't have to get up early this morning, come take care of this building and do that. People did that for us. Amen. We got people to do that. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I didn't have to serve coffee and donuts back there this morning. Somebody else did that to be a blessing to you. And so what I'm saying is this. God has a plan for every person in his church. God has things you do. God has things I do. We don't all do the same things. There's some things that some of you do I would like to do, but I can't do because i got to do what I'm called to do. But, you know, I think about children's ministry. I think about, oh, praise God, Pastor Dave. Man, they just uh, put another arrow in their quiver. We got to watch three little grandchildren the last few days so they take care of business. And we went down to a birthday party at a kindergarten class at the Victorville Christian School. How many kids did they have in there? Thirty kids in that kindergarten class. And those teachers had it well under control. But I walked in for that birthday party in that little kindergarten class, and I was there about two minutes, and my head started swimming. I didn't even want to stay for the cupcake. I did not even want the cupcake, and I like cupcakes. I looked at those teachers. I looked at those aides, and all I thought was, thank you, Jesus, they're called to do that. That is not my calling. Amen. I'm serious. Those teachers are very important. And so, in the church, you know, in a church like ours, some of you do think, some of you don't. Don't ever think that what I do is not important. What you do is very important. Amen. Amen. And, and, and you know, well, I, get, I can't get too far off these notes up here because I've got good notes. But I think about our churches and what different people do. Back in Indiana, when we pastored in Indiana, I had a college professor that wasn't just a college professor that went to our church. She was a, oh, I, I joke about it. She was a DDD and a PDD and a PhD and all the D's and all the P's and all that stuff. Man, she was all of it. What she was, she was a doctor at Indiana University, a doctor professor. And what her job was, they brought in doctors from all over the world to come down there to be refined in education on doctrine. She was the super-duper professor at Indiana University, and she told me that, uh, down there, doctors from Iran came in there. Doctors from the Middle East came in there. They came back for higher education. She taught them, and so she was very busy teaching them. She came to most of our church services, but she didn't have much time left over. She, she owned a bunch of horses, too. She had, a, like, a horse farm. She had grandkids she was helping raise and stuff like that, plus being that college professor, and we'd have projects going on, like our church does here. And say, hey, we're going to have a work day Saturday. And she cut me some. Oh, Pastor, oh, I'd love to. I wish I had time to help. Oh, I, I, and I said, I said, Nancy, I said, for the job you've got, you come in here and let us feed you because you're helping change these people's lives that are changing the world all over the world. I said, I never, ever got to preach to a Muslim doctor, but you do. 
You get to preach to these doctors from India, these Hindu doctors. I said, they come in, they listen to you. I said, you get to change these people's lives with the influence you got. I said, then besides that, I said, you're the biggest tither of the whole church. I said, because of what you're doing, we're able to keep the lights on. We're able to pay the bills and do all the things we're doing because of all the money you make down there at college professor. I said, you're a faithful tither. I said, every time you come in the door with your love and put that offering in up there, I said, that helps this church do what it's doing, so don't worry about it. I said, when we say we want people to come and help, that's if you got time to help. If you don't got time to help, so you're so busy about God's business, you should never have a guilt trip. If you can't jump in and do what everybody else is doing, because some people have more time. But every part is just as important as the other part. And why is that? Well, the church is like a jigsaw puzzle. God sees the whole picture. God sees the church. It's like looking at a big puzzle. God has a job for every church. God sees the church. And when God sent us here from Indiana uh, 11 years ago, God saw all this property. God saw these buildings. God sees this region. And God says, I've got a plan for that church. And in my plan for that church, says there's a piece missing right now. They need the pastor I want that church. So I'm sending you to Indiana. I mean to California. So we come here. So there's a part of the puzzle now put into place because this family's here. And so then God looks around. God says, I want to minister to this group of people that's in your region. And so God puts those puzzle pieces in there. People have a heart for unwed mothers. People have a heart for homeless. People have a heart for divorced people. People have a heart for young children. People have a heart for different things in the ministry. And so each time God puts a picture, a piece in this puzzle, the picture gets filled in more. And then this church is able to say, hey, we're having special meetings for all the unwed mothers in the area here. We have diapers. We have gifts. We have things we want to do because we got people in here that say, that's what I feel called to do. And I say, glory to God, I don't. But I want to help you do it. Amen. And so can you see what I'm saying? God can speak to each heart in here in a way that nobody else hears. Because God's the one that has that dream in your heart that came from him that you've given up on. Somebody said, well, pastor, how come you don't help this category of people? If it's on your heart, you must be the one to do it. I'll tell you how come, because you're not doing it. Well, I think we'll do more for this group. Well, if you do then, come on. Let's do it. Somebody said, well, how come you never helped this group? Well, that's because I have a big puzzle piece called you. And you're too lazy. Oh, stop it. Hallelujah. Amen. What's these toes all under the seats for? That's <laughs> so anyway, he said, seek me and you'll find me. And so you must get serious about your relationship, about your relationship with God. And so he says, seek me. And so uh, when you seek something or someone, it means you get real focused. You get a plan. You start moving in a direction, find what you're looking for. Did anybody here ever play hide and seek when you was a kid? I did. I played hide and seek. Anyway, uh, when you're one of the seekers, you get a plan in your mind. You envision places to look for the one that's hiding. You probably never thought about that that way. I didn't either until God told me. (laughs) 
But you also you get a vision in your mind about what's going to happen when you open your eyes and begin to see. And you start getting a vision. Are they behind the garage? Are they in that closet? Maybe they're in that old junk car in the backyard. You start getting a vision of places to seek, and then you put into practice what you see in your mind. You start going and looking at all those places, and if the person's hiding real good, you might have to keep going looking for a while, but if you don't give up, you're going to find them. I want to say that again. If you're seeking something, you start seeing something. You start seeing yourself doing something. In hide-go-seek, it doesn't work. I, I see Christians doing this. I, I see this by the Spirit. I see Christians doing this. They're the seeker. They don't find them after two minutes. They sit down and start crying. This is not fair. This ain't fair. This, why, 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 why? How many Christians hear something like this? We're preaching this morning. And they go out. And they pray. They say, oh God, my name's Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. <laughs> they say, it didn't work. Nothing happened. You might as well say, twinkle, twinkle, little star. <laughs> That's not seeking God. That's seeking God's hand. Hey, man, you've got to seek his heart. If you want something to change. And so at high and go seek, if you don't give up, you'll find him. And with God, the good thing is about God, God said this. He didn't say, I'm going to make it hard for you to find the plan. He said, seek me, you'll find me. I want that to sink in. You know, I, I, know, this, I know this old religious guy I knew years ago. I hadn't even thought about this for 30 years. Just see this guy's face, I knew I was first saved. All the time he made this statement. Oh, if only do the will of God. And I was a baby Christian, so I can't tell some guy's been saved for 80 years. You know how to tell the will of God. If he doesn't know it now, he's not going to get it. But I can tell you, God said, seek me, you'll find me. He says, seek me with all your heart. And you'll find me. And so, to me, if God tells me something to do, it's doable. If he tells me something to do, he wants me to get the answer for what he told me to do. You know why? Because God is not mean. God is not spooky. God is real. Eternity is real. He wants us to have a good life on this earth. He told us what to do. We have to do some things. He said, seek me. And you know, I think about, I think about, life about different things about the seeking business how many here have ever wanted a job a different job or a better job anybody here ever want a job what did you just sit home and pray about it or did you do some seeking you know uh, in modern times you go on the internet and google what you're looking for you got friends that's in that field that you want to work in you start calling your friends say hey man your company hiring you guys hear anything going on, man? Is your union showing anything? Is there anything posted on the union board? Anything going on, you start seeking. And then once you find out what might be available, you don't just sit home and say, Oh, I'm just a hoping and praying. Oh, I'm hoping and praying. It'll show up. It'll show up. Those people don't know you exist unless you tell them. 
You better show up if you want it to show up. Amen. You but you better do some cold knocking. I remember back when I was in trucking back in the a few years ago. <laughs> Amen. Quite a few years ago now. But I remember back in the early seventies. I remember back in the eighties, early eighties, very very early eighties. I remember back in those days, Teamsters Trucking took a big hit, and it was hard to get a good job. And I remember how fearful it was when I would get laid off and have to go find another job to go into an office of a company and walk in right off the street and want to meet the terminal manager and say, hey, I'm a truck driver. I'm a good one, too. I need a job. That was always so scary. But you know what was more scary? Seeing my family go hungry. I wanted to feed my family, so I was willing to cold knock on doors, to walk in where people didn't know me and take a chance. And it was always just as embarrassing when they said, sorry, sorry, sorry. But I'll tell you what, I knocked and knocked enough times and went to enough places that finally somebody say, when can you go to work? I didn't say, well, i got some Facebook games to play. i got some Googling to do. And I might come back a week from Tuesday. I'd say, when do you need me? If they said right now, I'd say, I'm here. Let's go. I'll work for you. Because I was seeking and I was serious. How many here have ever, ever sought a mate. You know, you're praying, you're believing God. Well, you know, if you're seeking a mate, you know, God's got somebody for you. You're a married age. God's got somebody for you. Well, you pray, but can I tell you something else you probably ought to do? You probably ought to fix your hair a little bit. You probably ought to take a bath. And maybe, maybe it helped put some kind of smell good stuff on and wash your clothes. And then, depends on what kind of mate you want. If you want a wild honky-tonker, go to the bar. If you want a godly one, go to church. What am I saying? God said, if you want a relationship with me, you seek me with all your heart. Do you find God... Do you find God watching R-rated movies? Do you find more about God by hanging around the bar? If you want to seek Him for your heart, I suggest you go to church some. And it would probably be good every once in a while to take a sabbatical off of Facebook and off the games and off of just hanging around with other people all the time and whining and crying. And be able just to do something different. I wrote some suggestions down of ways to seek God, to find his plan for your life. Uh, A, read your Bible. You want to know more about God? Read your Bible every day. It helps if you follow a good study plan or devotional. Now, I've, been, I've been born again for 37 and a half years. And as a baby Christian, when I knew nothing... I had to do a lot of research and type study. And I still research now, but not as much as I used to because I'm a volume. I mean, I have so much in me, so I don't have to research like I used to. But what I do now, uh, my, my studies change. Uh, my methods change. Some seasons, I just want to study some Old Testament books. So I'll just purpose, I'm going to read the book of 1 Samuel. When, when Katie conceived Samuel a few months ago, I thought I'm going to start studying the life of Samuel. And so I started every day reading a chapter two or three of Samuel. Man, it was loaded. 
And it was so good. Then I got down, I thought, I want to read 2 Samuel. So I started really studying it like never before. And that was a season. Some seasons, I really want to study healing. And so some seasons, my Bible study, I'll just start studying all the healing passages I know again. Starting in the Old Testament, working way to the New. Studied about healing all over again. Why do you want to study about healing? You teach healing all the time. Because I don't want to be sick. And a sick knocks on my door, I want to answer with faith. I want to get rid of it. And at some seasons, I study about tithing. Well, Pastor, you mean you don't tithe? No, I tithe faithfully. I have for 37 and a half years. I've always been a tither, but there's benefits to tithing. And so I like to study what the Bible says the benefits are for a tither because I'm a tither. I want my faith to be able to pull in the benefits God has to be on tithing. And sometimes I study about marriage relationships. Well, why is that? You ought to be a professional by now. Well, I am, but the devil doesn't like my marriage. And so I want to study how to be a better husband. I want to study how to treat my wife. I want to see what I'm supposed to do to be a better husband. I'm talking about you and your life where you are. You need to get some kind of a something going where you study the Word of God yourself to start learning more about God, about what He has to say about your life, and find out what works for you. Our bookstore, I think I got that down there for B, our bookstore has lots of good Christian books in it. So study good faith books and, uh, and, you know, make sure there are good faith books that really teach the Bible. And if you ever want to know about uh, different things we recommend in there, talk to me or one of the leaders or one of the people in the church here that have a strong faith life. And we'll point you to something in the bookstore that'll help you in that, in that area. And then attend church as many services per week as you can. I want to tell you what, uh, you're never going to overdose on too much church. You know, if some people can attend 15 ball games a week, why can't they attend two or three services a week? Amen. And so anyway, uh, it'll make a major difference in your life and how you look at life if you're in church a bunch. And then attend small groups. We've got men's, women's, young adults, young marrieds. I don't know what all we have, have got. We've got a bunch of them. And so anyway, just look at the bulletin, talk to some of the church people. We've got all kinds of small groups. And what are those things going to do? They're going to help you get stronger and stronger and know God better and better, begin to find His plan for your life. Sign up for SMTI. It's probably too late now. I'm sure it is. But SMTI is Supernatural Ministries Training Institute. That's what Dr. Barclay teaches through his video classes at the church here. A lot of us have been through them. And what they do, they teach you how to be a better disciple. They teach you how to serve God better in your church. They're not, they're, not, they're not the kind of classes that make you an ordained minister. The kind of classes that help you get stronger and stronger, more focused on what God has for you to do in life. But what am I talking about? I talk about ways you can seek God. Ways you can seek God. Like that SMTI meets on Monday nights for, uh, from 7 o'clock till 9 or 7 to 9. Is that what it is? 6 to 9. 6 to 9 uh, during the school semesters. And then get involved with serving in the church. And these are ways you can seek God. And so to fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life, point number three, look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. I don't know about you, but I love being in the will of God. I love walking with God every day. I love being at the place 
right place at the right time doing the right thing that I know God wants me to do. That's where the anointing is. There's nothing in the world like the anointing of God. You know, if you like that good feeling you get when you come into a church service when it's anointed, lots of love there, when you walk in the plan of God for your life, where you're supposed to work at, things you're supposed to do, your relationships in life, you take that anointing everywhere you go then. And, you know, it's not a feeling. It's a spiritual atmosphere. And it comes from being in the will of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to help you fulfill God's plan for your life. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about or surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does easily beset us, it says in the King James, but it says it snares us or traps us. The sins, the weights that trap us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Well, the race that is set before us is the plan of God for your life. And it says we're supposed to lay aside sins and weights. And so you must make wise choices how you spend your time. You must make wise choices how you spend your time. Now, I want to tell you, you notice he said lay aside sins and lay aside weights. Well, the Bible is very specific on different things that are sin, so we're not preaching on sin right now. But the Bible tells you it's wrong to lie, wrong to steal, and lots of other things. It's wrong, it's wrong to, to have a bad temper and hurt people all type your words and be mean. Those kind of things are wrong. Those kind of things are really obvious. But this says lay aside weights. Lay aside weights. Because it said weights will hinder you in the race you're running. Well, Paul, back when he wrote this, the Olympic Games were really big. And the people really into sports, into watching the Olympics and things like that. Get a picture of this. How many know that the Bible tells us to put on your spiritual armor? Well, back then, if you've seen any of the modern shows that make on Christian Christianity and stuff, those Roman soldiers have their armor. They got all that heavy stuff on that protects them, and they got the shield. But then he talks about Olympic runner. Can you imagine the Olympics we just had for some of those things that come out there clankety-clankety-clank, try to run, there's all suited up in that armor, that would be a weight. Well, there's a time to take that weight off if you're going to run. But then when you're in spiritual warfare, it's time to put it back on. You'll want to be naked. And so that picture he's painting is this, is the people that are running a race. You're not going to run a race with those things like Sonia's class that she teaches. They put those, Mrs. Pastor does it. I see some of the people in the church got these little things put on, make their arms heavier. They do stuff and put these little weird things on their feet to make them do stuff with the doing stuff. Well, that's okay to build some muscle tone. But if you're going to run some fast runner in a race, you better take that stuff off because they're weights and they'll hold you back. Well, in life, you know, I know that our society we live in, sports is really a big thing. And the Bible tells us that an idol is something that takes more of a place in your heart than what God does. We're supposed to God, he's not an idol. We're supposed to be our all in all. He's supposed to have our time and our life. And so anything that consumes all of your spare time is an idol. Anything that takes up all your spare time is a weight. See, it's, it's not a sin. It's not a sin to love sports. It's not a sin to enjoy ball games. It's not a sin to have recreation time and things like that. But it sure becomes a weight when you say, 
I have no time for church because I got to do my sports. I have no time to read my Bible because I got to do my sports. I don't, ha- I don't have much time for praying because the ball game starts in 10 minutes. So, God, you got 10 minutes. You're not going to find the plan of God with those weights. As I lay aside those weights. And so, Pastor, you know what? I want to leave this church right now. Because you told me I can't be into my sports. I love basketball. I love football. I love off-roading. I love those things. You can love those things, but if those things take more of your time than you're seeking God's stuff in life, that they become a weight. And uh, don't throw stones at me. Throw them at the Bible. He said lay aside the weights. I didn't. He said it. I'm just telling you what to do. And somebody said, well, I don't think so. I like my life. Just keep on walking in the dark then. Never find the plan of God for your life because other things take more of your time than what your time seeking God does. Somebody said, you really get kind of mean sometimes, don't you? I get tired of seeing people lose. I know in my life, I had to lay aside a lot of things when I got born again so I could start finding out what God wanted me to do in life. And it totally, totally, totally changed my whole life. I found out, get out of the truck and go preach. I thought, no, my security's in the truck. That's my pension. That's my paycheck. Well, I spent enough time with God to where I realized I loved Him than what my, more than what my family thought I ought to be doing. Somebody said, wow, boy, that's a tough one there. It sure is tough. When all of a sudden, you're in a sinner family, and all your family knows how to do sin, and party, and drink, and all the stuff that they do, and all of a sudden you say, sorry, I'm going to go to church. Oh, you one of them holy rollers now? Well, I said, better roll that stuff you're rolling. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, it's serious. It's a choice you make sometimes. You have to do that. You have to lay some things aside if you're going to change. So anyway, I said, lay aside those weights and those kind of things there. So, and then I want you to just to stop and evaluate and make adjustments to allow time for God to speak to your heart. So enjoy your ball games, but just don't let your ball games have all your time. Enjoy your off-roading. Don't let your off-roading have all your time. Because there will come a time, there will come a time you'll need help from God. You won't know how to get it. And you might get on Facebook, and what if you only get 1,999 likes and it took 2,000? Oh, well... <laughs> Verse 2, <laughs> looking unto who? Jesus. Who's Jesus? He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one that got you started. And he's the only one that can help you finish. He's the author. He's the beginner. Your faith starts with Jesus. Your faith has to stay in Jesus. And Jesus is the one that will help you finish your race. It says, he for the joy said before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame. He's now sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so always keep your eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Jesus helped you start it. He's the only one who can help you run it and finish it. And so to keep your eyes on Jesus means you keep your eyes on his word. When you keep your eyes on his word, you're keeping your eyes on Jesus. And you know, uh, you know the generation we live in, have different sayings and stuff that they say than what we used to say. But anyway, I know that one thing that we say all the time, times past, 
people in a bad situation. I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus. Okay, what verses are you standing on? Because Jesus and his word are one and the same. If you are not keeping your eyes on verses that apply to your situation, you can make that confession of keeping my eyes on Jesus, but you're not. Because he and his word are one and the same. And so if you're keeping your eyes on Jesus and you believe for healing, you better say, well, I'll tell you what I'm standing on, Pastor. Mark 16, verse 70 says, lay hands sick, they shall recover. I've had hands laid on me and I'm getting better every day. James 5, 14 says, call for the elders of the church. Get anointed for all in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith heals the sick. I've been anointed. I've been prayed for. I've got my eyes on Jesus because that's what his word says. 1 Peter 2.24 says, By Jesus' stripes I was healed. Pastor, I got my eyes on 1 Peter 2.24. I was healed. I'm not trying to get healed. I was. So I am. My eyes are on Jesus. And whatever it is in life, if it's a marriage thing, you better find some verses about husbands and wives, how they're supposed to talk to each other. Uh, Lord, why do I always have to wrap myself out? Ugh. Because I don't do this anymore, I can tell on myself. I remember probably 25, 30 years ago, 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. And every time I'd read that verse, he'd say, I didn't say give lip service, I said give honor. Oh. And I'd read that verse again, and it'd say give honor. He said, I didn't say give lip service, do give honor. <laughs> After I got tired of hearing God tell me, quit give my wife lip service, I changed. So my eyes were on Jesus for my marriage. And I quit giving lip service, I started giving honor. And so that's what happens when your eyes are on the Word, the Word will change you. Amen? I want you to write this down for a homework assignment. Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3. And if you're seriously this week... What to seek God with all your heart about his plan for your life. Listen to the pastor talk. I'm telling you by the Spirit of God, God has homework for you this week. Open up your Bible this week, every day, preferably a couple times a day for this verse. Read Psalms 1, verses 1, 2, and 3 out loud and ask God to talk to you about what he's saying there. That'll change your life. We're closing now with Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. And I don't know about you, but I preach myself happy. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Word of God says this. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you Life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, and I circle this in my Bible, choose life. Choose life that both thou and thy seed, that both you and your children may live. Choose life. God said I set the choice before you. And so I want to say this. How many have ever prayed the prayer, Oh God, oh God, give me an open door. Show me a door. Give me the open door. Okay? Your prayer just got answered. God said, here's an open door. Choose it. What is the open door? Seek him with all of your heart. Know as you're seeking him, 
He said, I have good plan for your life. He said, I want you to have future and hope. I want to say it one more time. Do not pray the, oh God, close this door and open this door. God said, I've got the open door for you right here. You choose to come through this door. So forget the open door, close the door prayer on this one, okay? You go for this one. God said, here's the door. It's called prayer, Bible, church, and you'll find me and you'll see my plan for your life. Amen. Very plain. And so to follow God's plan for your life, will you follow God's plan or just keep doing things your way? Amen. The choice is yours. You can follow or do things your way. I've decided to follow Jesus. How about you, Josh? Amen.